This is the Action Network Podcast. And it is good. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. Good. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the college basketball weekend betting preview. I'm Stucky. With me, as always, is Colin Wilson and Mike Randall. It's March, baby. What's going on, Colin? You getting ready for uh, the tournament or, or some Royals baseball? It's important for everybody to listen to know that, like, when I was a freshman in college, my team won the national championship. And then the next year, we went to the championship game and lost to UCLA. And it's just been a shit show fall off since then. And for the first time in 25 years, 25 years, I feel it in my veins. I feel it in my blood. I'm getting phone calls from grandma. I'm getting phone calls from people I haven't talked to in 20 years that this Razorback team can make the final four. Woo, pig suey. Like we have a legitimate shot. Three seed, four seed. We actually have a chance to take Eric Musselman in year two actually has a chance. If they get met up with Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan in the Sweet 16, we're screwed. But hey, that's what March is all about. Anything can happen. So I'm all in. Down the alarms. <laughs> Everyone cast their tickets. Colin has mentioned 90s Arkansas basketball within one minute of the recording. Uh, but I agree. Arkansas is playing outstanding basketball, trending up and peaking at the right time. And their numbers don't lie when they're fully healthy with Justin Smith. I know that Justin Smith played, what, in that game against, I forget, Alabama or someone they lost around there, but he wasn't fully healthy. With him fully healthy, they've been outstanding. And we're going to talk about our futures here. We have a loaded show, by the way. No Friday night six-pack because we just there's not enough lines out for tomorrow. We'll talk about Friday. We'll talk about Saturday. We're still going to have the three men weave or one of them at a time on. I spoke with Jim Root earlier today. I'll have an interview with him later. We'll talk national title features, his you know conference title features he's eyeing and spots for this weekend. I also talked with Petey Buckets, a friend of our podcast, about the A-10 this weekend. And I know that you guys wanted to hear more about the A-10, especially because that's the 11 a.m. game tomorrow, so we got to cover that. And we're going to go through our futures. We're going to talk about one future. If we had to pick one future, if you don't have any futures yet and you just wanted one right now, we're going to pick. We're going to go through our futures. We're going to talk about Saturday spots. We're going to talk about the conference tournaments that start this weekend. And we're going to be back on Monday, and we're going to talk about the conference tournaments that start next week. And then, of course, we'll be back Friday for another weekend preview. But I digress. I have to say, Collins, Arkansas boys, they look great. You know, it doesn't look good, and they're one of our futures, Randall. Uh, Rutgers, do you want to explain that Rutgers effort the other night? Yeah, it was poor, man. And it's a shame because some of these teams that have a style, that have a, a particular way that they play, like Rutgers, they have so much potential, but they cannot be god-awful in the other aspect of the game. So you can't be a high-scoring team and just play zero defense and expect to go far. And likewise, Rutgers can't always rely on having slobber knocker games that they can make a spurt and put away. Heading down to Nebraska, terrible effort. 
Nebraska, no Allen in that game. Rutgers comes out, flat job now. Now they get to go to Minnesota. I don't know what to make of them. So much potential. And again, I know because I'm here, this program was the dumps. Peichel's done an amazing job. But last year was really the year, right, that they could make a run in that tournament. And now we're looking 13 and 10, 9 and 10. So unfortunate, man. Very frustrating. But still, for Rutgers, where they were 10 years ago, probably an improvement. Three of 23 from three. Down 18 to Nebraska at the half. Without it's, almost like, yeah, it's almost like they're Villanova. Crazy. Um, Yeah, well, let's before we get to our futures and this weekend, let's go around the horn again. Just mention something that you caught your eye this week or you want to rant about. It's been a good week for me, so I won't rant about too much. All right. Let it out. This is your rant of the week. Youngstown State hurt. Can we stop with the 30 settling for a 35 point bomb at the end of regulation just holding it for the win but yeah i mean there's holding on for dear life and for at the end of the five minutes all week and that's what march is all about but uh i'll mention villanova and uh, just the sad aspect seeing colin gillespie go down i think that kills their chances of winning the national title just such a big loss and i you just hate to say it, that there was no tournament last year senior i don't know if he's out actually i shouldn't i shouldn't assume but it just looked really bad Jay Wright said it is serious and uh, to have no tournament last year and then get to March and then suffer that injury as a senior, is just a killer uh, for Gillespie and, and also Villanova. So that sucked to see. Um, Colin, I know you got your Arkansas talk in. They are rolling. Anything else to catch your eye or you want to rant about anything else? Well, I would like to give a hat tip to New Orleans for covering last night and our best bets over at Action Network. Uh, New Orleans covered privateers. <laughs> New Orleans covered every single home game this year on the schedule, so I can't complain. That might be my new favorite team. Uh, I'm going to throw a shout out to Connecticut. Uh, you know, especially with Big East tournament coming up, this is uh, someone that we have in our portfolio at 50 to one, it's still out there at 50 to one. We're going to have our futures talking a little bit about it, uh, about where we stand is whether you should take that number today. But I think they're for real, like not just for the big East tournament. I think they can really do some damage here coming up. I am a believer in the four factors of basketball and integrating them with against the spread, uh, you know, numbers. And frankly, them being eighth in the country and offensive rebound percentage, one of the four factors that's important. I think they're going to be tough to deal with when it comes tournament time. Yeah, I agree. And you, you have a guy in book night. Someone asked me if you could – hundred to one, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State on Twitter, um, if I had to choose. I would take Oklahoma State. I know Reeves Reeves can go bonkers, uh, but Kate, that Cade Cunningham factor, same with – and, you know, they rebound. They play really good defense. Same with UConn. And you have a guy like book night. Take over a game, get you a bucket late, which is so important in these games that are going to be tight. Maybe book night has – uh, a Kemba Walker type run in him. Uh, I agree with you on UConn. Randall, and what do you got for this week? Yeah, same thing, man. Hat tip to UConn. Love it. Going against Kevin Willard. Nice job there, of course. They also covered against Marquette. They're super hot. Book Knights taking them to a new level. Uh, fellas, great week overall. And I mean, honestly, what's better than the Horizon League? Expand your gambling horizons with the Horizon League. Oh, my God. I can't believe I didn't mention that. But what they gave us the other night was honestly Nirvana. College basketball Nirvana. You have Milwaukee coming back against Wright State. Wright State looking great. I wrote them up for action, you know, talking about them coming into Up 24 with six to go. Six to go. They self-destruct. Milwaukee hit some threes. Cleveland State, Purdue, Fort Wayne, three overtimes. Just insanity. 
Oakland and, and the Youngstown State you talked about, and Northern Kentucky there, the tip at the buzzer, with a line that was, what, one, guys? One, one and a half? So, I mean. Open oh. one and a half. Oh, yeah. Luckily I, got, I, luckily, I got the plus one and a half there. I was devastated for my guy, Antoine Davis. That sucked. Um, but, yeah, insanity. You had Milwaukee comes back from 24 down, six to go. Yep. Forces overtime at the buzzer with a three. Wins in overtime. Northern Kentucky wins with .1 left by one. Oakland wins in overtime after Youngstown missed a shot to win it in the end of regulation. And Cleveland State banks in a three at the end of double overtime to force three overtimes. They win 108-104. I mean, I don't know if we'll get a better group of games from any conference. Maybe the Big Ten quarterfinals or the, or the Big 12, but that was – that. Well, you're right, that was Nirvana. Welcome back, March. We missed you. Ah, unbelievable. All right, let's take a look into the futures. Here's the thing about the future. Every time you look at it, it changes because you looked at it. All right, so we have our seven futures in our podcast portfolio. We picked one a week. Everyone brought three to the table for two weeks. And then last week, we each brought one and then voted, did a voting system, and we came out with our seventh one. So as of right now, we have, and I'm pretty happy with our portfolio. We have a Illinois 20 to one at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. They're 11 to one now. Obviously, huge. Where are my Illinois share now? Huge wins at Wisconsin and at destroyed Michigan without the Sunmu. I mean, Illinois, they're going to be so much better overall for this, for those wins without the Sunmu. It's going to come back. He's in concussion protocol. I don't know if this weekend or next week, but man, Illinois looked good. Florida State, 37 to 1 at BetMGM, 16 to 1. Alabama, 22 to 1. They're 16 to 1 at BetMGM. Michigan, we have 8 to 1. They're 4 to 1 at BetMGM. Rutgers, we have 80 to 1. They're 50 to 1 at BetMGM. UConn, we have 50 to 1. They're still at 50 to 1 at BetMGM. And St. Louis, we have 125 to 1. They're 50 to 1. So those are our seven that we have. Right, let me throw it to you first. Going down that list, are, is there one that you're more happy about than another? They're one that you're kind of soured on. And then I'll ask you if someone hasn't been following along in the podcast, it's March. They're just like, all right, I want to start listening to the podcast. And they don't have any college basketball futures. I get this question all the time. What would be the one right now? It doesn't have to be on this list. Could be someone else that you would, you would offer. So what do you think about the list? And then if someone's looking for one future right now at current prices, who should they look at? The list is super strong. Obviously Rutgers is the one that I would kick out if I could. The one I like the best is UConn for all the reasons we outlined. I think they have everything it takes to make a deep run in the tournament. I think going without your best player for a while strengthens the team. He's the go-to guy. He can hit big shots. And, of course, Illinois. I mean, my God, that was a tremendous win. No one has been able to do that to Michigan. Minnesota at home, but that was at, that was at home. Michigan there against Illinois. And you could tell, guys, in that game, their bench was into it. I mean, this was like they're fired up. Uh, fired up. They were going to outbench the Michigan bench. Everything they did, just a tremendous defensive performance against Michigan. The one I want to talk about that we don't have, and it, we brought it up a couple times here, is Oregon. They're at 50 to 1 plus 5,000. Ducks are going to win the Pac 12. They can just win at Oregon State on Sunday. I know it's a rivalry, and Oregon State's been pretty frisky against the number recently, yeah. but still. They have the same future odds right now at BetMGM as Stanford, San Diego State, and North Carolina. They are finally healthy. They have the guard-dominated lineup that's tough to match up with in, in March. They've won nine of the last ten. The only hiccup was a loss at USC, 
where Tajidi went bananas to start the game from three, and they were coming from behind the entire time. They struggle with size against like Evan Mobley, but A, who wouldn't struggle against Mobley? And B, who has size like that? I mean, they could navigate a path here where they don't run at anybody like that. If you want stats, 38% from three-point range in conference play, second in the conference in offensive turnover percentage, they don't do it, and defensive turnover percentage, they force them top 40 defensive steal percentage and teams are shooting an insane 76% from the free throw line against them. So give me some aggression there. They have a healthy Chris Duarte. He had big shots. They covered last night. Thank you very much. He had a big three late. The clutch gene is there. Will Richardson is back as the point guard. Dana Altman's a great coach, coach West coast bias. Nobody cares about him. Ducks quacking 50 to one. If I had to pick one, that's one I would look at. Yeah, I agree. Jim and I will actually talk about that later. And Oregon, Dana Altman, he's tricky in in the tournament. They're going to press. They're going to run zone. They're going to give you different looks. Teams that aren't used to seeing them on short preparation in a tournament setting. That's why Altman, who's always has his team trending up in March. And I agree. UConn, Illinois, Oregon, they had to go either multiple games or extended periods without some of their best players. It's only going to make them stronger come March. Imagine if Oregon, by the way, had uh, Dante and in, in the interior, man, they would be even scared. But I completely agree at 50 to 1. Uh, if they keep winning, that number is going to come down. Colin, thoughts on the overall portfolio? Maybe we should have went with Arkansas over Rutgers, but uh, thoughts on the overall portfolio? And then who would you recommend out of that list or someone else if you want to go there? Yeah, I mean, Arkansas 100 to 1 at the time, we couldn't tell what was going to happen. We didn't know Florida would be coming off. 13-day COVID. Arkansas caught them well there. Uh, Kentucky, I think there was a blown call there that gave the Razorbacks the win. Uh, They've caught everybody at a really good time. So we'll see if they can translate that in Nashville. But as far as our futures portfolio goes, and I like the Oregon 50 to 1, and I think it's worth it. If you've already got some of these that we've got in our portfolio, I definitely think that that is worth an add. But out of the ones that we've picked throughout the season, if I had to double up and put another unit down, it'd be on Florida State at 16 to 1. And I know that we got it at 37 to one on the podcast, but to me, this is a team, again, I'm looking for things like price point. I'm looking to meet adjusted efficiency margins. Uh, I'm looking to avoid uh, Baylor, Michigan, Gonzaga uh, in the tournament uh, for as long as I possibly can. This is a projected three seed and rising. They're winners of 10 of their last 12. They meet the criteria and adjusted efficiency margin on offense. They're above the 113.9. They're below the 96 on Ken Palm. Believe it or not, they're fifth in adjusted offensive efficiency in the nation. That is like, I, I didn't know Florida State's offense was that good. I associate them from years past for being so good at defense. And the four factors are offensive rebounding, their 10th, their effective field goal percentage, their top 40 on both sides. Uh, they've been fantastic. They're going to play in an ACC tournament. They could easily win. Uh, I think people need to realize too, like the ACC, I believe, is third in home court and in, in defending home court percentage. And Florida State's just ran through almost everybody in the conference. I mean, price point's important, but you got to dodge Baylor and Gonzaga. And I think there's a huge drop-off with these two seeds, three seeds, four seeds. Like, there's a tier at the top, and then it's just, you know, it's just a bunch of really good te- – handful of good teams after that. And so I think with Florida State, you're going to at least dodge the big bullets in the tournament until the Elite Eight. So I like the 16-1 to on it now. Yeah, uh, I love our 37 to 1. They're one of the teams, I think, with the length uh, and a guy like 
we've talked about it, a guy like Scotty Barnes. And they've got to play some games without some guys, which I think is you – know, they haven't been fully healthy recently. Um, so they'll be stronger for that, I think, come tournament time. But, yeah, they're always going to be dangerous under Leonard Hamilton. And, yeah, it's the defense that has some questions. But with their with their length, they've, they've been crushed on, on the defensive glass. But with their length, I'm not worried about their defense. And uh, their offense has been excellent. For me – Look, it's a top-heavy year, so I agree with you. I like Florida State. Bama seems like they're trending down, and I am worried about the SEC in some. That's one one thing that would give me pause about Arkansas. Like, are they looking this good because of the SEC? Like, how down is the SEC? We thought Tennessee was good. Tennessee's just – they're not even in my top 25, my power ratings anymore. Shocking. You called the Alabama drop-off. You said this is not sustainable. You called it. You were just three weeks too early. Yeah, I mean – the thing is, is that Bama's defense, it's the one thing that I was maybe okay with it. I mean, they're still third in adjusted defensive efficiency. Their defense has been really good. Their offense is what's kind of fallen off here. Yeah, I mean, once Jordan Bruner, if he gets back fully healthy, that should help. You know, he's played 17 minutes the past two games. But teams have figured out a little what Alabama's trying to do with their dribble penetration and kick out and three heavy offense, still a high variance offense. They're still very capable from three, but they're going to have to make a couple adjustments on the offensive side of the ball. But that's the only thing I worry about the SEC. St. Louis, we hope they get in. Uh, Maybe they can make a run. I agree on UConn. Rutgers, I just – look, they they have the talent. If they can make shots and find a way to make free throws, who knows? They can go on a run. Michigan, obviously, if you can still find eight to one, which we got. The team is legit, running everything through Dickinson in the middle. But I, I'm going to stick with Illinois. I've been on them all year. I've been hyping them up. This stretch just reaffirms all of my thoughts on them. I think they're going to be much stronger for it. I said with all their freshmen, a key transfer, like they're only going to get better. Come March, we're seeing that now. Now you're going to add the sumo in a potential player of the year back to the lineup. Uh, it's scary. 11 to 1 up at MGM. Before the year, I played. I was as high on Illinois as anyone in the country. I played them fifteen to one. You could have. We, we got twenty to one here. I added some. Try to find fifteen or one or better. That would be my target point. Right now, they're sitting on the one line, and that's huge. And it might come down. You know, they play Ohio State this weekend, and even if they lose that game, it'll probably come down to the Big Ten tournament. So, getting that one seed is going to be so massive for whoever can get that third and fourth one. As of right now, I think it still is Michigan and Illinois. Hi there, this is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell, and I've got a quick question for you. Do you like gambling? Of course you do. That's why you're listening. Well, our friends at BetMGM have a great sign-up offer for you guys. It's a 100% deposit match up to $500. So if you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up and make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD, and BetMGM will match that deposit up to $500. It's that simple. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love. Parlay bonus pounce, live betting, daily odds boosts, so much good stuff. So download the BetMGM app today, or just go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code ACTIONPOD to open an account and double your bankroll with a deposit match bonus up to $500. Must be 21 years or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. 
Let's move on to, before we get to some conference tournament talk, let's move on to some circled Saturday spots or Friday, if you have something for tomorrow night. And let's go around the horn. So many games, so little time. Let's look at the Saturday slate. All right, I'll start. Uh, I'm going to shout out my boys, my the Riverhawks of UMass Lowell, who I was on twice last week. I they're my new. I think they're my new favorite mid major right now or low major. Uh, I love this team. They beat Stony Brook on a neutral last week. They beat New Hampshire on the road by eight. This team's playing with house money right now, and the, the reason that I was on them last week is they closed the year losing three of four. They lost to New Hampshire, lost to Albany. They lost to New Hampshire again. They didn't have their best player, Obadiah Noel, who is an absolute stud. I mean, 6'4", senior, can just gets fouled a ton and get to the hoop, crafty player, really capable of going off for probably a 28-23 last weekend. He can go for 35 uh, in a night. People forget they beat San Fran on a neutral earlier this year. They, they beat Vermont at home. So they're going on the road at UMBC. I still think they're undervalued with Noel back. And uh, let's see, Kempom makes a seven. If we can get seven, we are on it. I make this like five, four and a half, five-ish. It wouldn't shock me if UMass Lowell has a shot to win this game with Noel. He's going to have to go off. It's a lot on his shoulders, but I think he's up for the task. And uh, we're probably going to go back to the Riverhawks, people. Randall, what do you got? Well, I'm going to go on Friday to the Mountain West. For those that don't realize, Colorado State has gotten screwed here out of winning the Mountain West. If they win at Nevada, they would finish 15-3. and three. And if you look at San Diego State's record, they will look as 14-3. and three. The problem is there were two forfeits that are going to be awarded because of games in early February against New Mexico that were scheduled to be played in Texas, where New Mexico is playing but they weren't. There was no COVID cases there, but they're going down as forfeits, which means San Diego State would technically go to 16-3 and to Colorado State's 15-3. and No problem. The Rams have been hot as heck, and they have Nico Medved is pulling all the strings like Geppetto. They are playing fantastic basketball. They have won seven of their last eight games. They beat Boise State once. They beat Utah State away. They are clicking. The defense is tremendous on the three-pointer. They hold teams to a Mountain West best 30% from three-point range. They shoot 37% themselves. Roddy the body inside, who's overachieving. Isaiah Stevens, everyone. I love this team. Nevada's tough at home. I understand that, but they have not played well as late. The line's going to be Colorado State favorite, according to Kempom, by one or two. Nevada comes home. They lost twice to Utah State. I just think Colorado State matches up very well with Nevada. They're going to guard the arc. They've been battle-tested. That big comeback against San Diego State, gosh, I can't believe they're not going to win the Mountain West after that comeback on the road. I like the Rams here to finish off strong and to use this as motivation as they head into, the hopefully, the NCAA tournament. It is. It, it might anger them here, and then they go out of the win and make a statement. Um, it's a really good point. It's wild how this was decided. Maybe it gives them motivation if they end up facing San Diego State in the tournament as well. Keep an eye on if Meeks plays for Nevada as well. I believe he missed. Yeah, he missed both games against Utah State. They didn't look great coming out of the gate in either after the 20-ish day break. But I love this Colorado State team. I hope they find a way in the tournament. I don't know. I don't think Boise's going to get in after that loss to Fresno. No way. Um, Colorado State. I don't know why the Mountain West is making them make up these games. It's probably cost Boise a spot in the tournament. But Colorado State lost to Boise. They lost to Utah State. 
they lost to San Diego State, and then they lost to St. Mary's earlier in the year. They have no bad losses, and they're trending up. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of that. And this team, you know, when we do this podcast next year, Colorado State futures, baby. Uh, if this whole team sticks together, they're basically all sophomores and freshmen. Colin, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with Kent State on the road going to Buffalo before the MAC tournament gets started. These are the teams that are going to be slotted in at the two and three seeds, so we could have a conference final preview here. I love Maction. I love Maction. <laughs> uh, the number that's out there right now as we're recording is five for the Golden Flashes. Uh, Ken Palm projects at four, so there's a little touch of value there with Kent State. They're seven and three against the spread on the road this season. Uh, more importantly, they, you know, they're, they're second in the in the conference in offensive rebounding. And it's just a thing where Buffalo's won four in a row, but it hasn't been against the top of the MAC. Uh, I think you're getting a little bit of value here with Kent State, who's been able to get it done on the road as they prepare for matching uh, tournament style. You got wow. to be kidding me! Now this is peak matching. It is peak matching. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out who Kent State is without their starting guard, Michael Nuga, who's just so great for them in, in multiple aspects. But Buffalo is what I, you know, Buffalo, what they want to do, they play really fast. They're sixth in adjusted tempo. They're really athletic. They, they defend the perimeter really well. They struggle to shoot themselves, but they are streaky, man. I mean, you want to, you want, you like live betting or half betting. This Buffalo team will be, up 18 at the half and they'll lose. They'll be down 16 and they'll come back to win. It's uh they're a very high variance team. They play really fast. They are, you know, they're not a great shooting team, they do, but they're very streaky. So they'll, you know, hit a bunch of threes in a row. They'll force some turnovers. Um, but they're also really bad from the line. So they can blow leads that way as well, but they have a bad half bet them in the second half. They have a really good first half. You can fade them in the second half, such a high variance streaky team. Um, all right, I'm going to get crazy here, and I've, I've criminally lost my mind, but this everything's going well lately, and we have to make another donation to the book. We're probably going back to Loyola, Maryland, people, against Navy. <laughs> They're playing Navy for the fourth time this year. I didn't bet them on Sunday when they lost by eight. Didn't lose money on that game. I did lose money on Saturday when they ended up losing by six, and Navy was shorthanded for those games. They got blown out in the first game in – the second game, again, they came out really flat. They were down big early, 17-8, 10 minutes in, and they couldn't make a three, which isn't new for them. But what Navy's been doing is they've been, you know, just trapping everything. Loyola really struggles with the ball, with their guards. They have major turnover issues, and that's what Navy was exploiting. But this is the fourth time they're going to be seeing them. In both of all of these games, they start off really slow. And in the last two, they cut it to two, and they cut it to two in the second half of the last two games and almost came all the way back. Um, all of the adjustments are on Loyola's side. They've seen this team three times. It's beat them three times. No one wants any part of Loyola, Maryland right now. You still have the best player in the conference in Santi Aldama. Um, look, you even got Cam Spencer back, who I think can help with their outside shooting. I didn't think he was going to play this year. All of a sudden, he popped up last weekend, and he had 10 and 11 points. So he's back, assimilated into the lineup. They need his shooting desperately. And uh, if, by the way, Patriot League, if you don't want to stomach Lola against Navy, because it is the one team that they probably match up the worst with, because Navy does have size. They can rebound inside. They're, you know, they're well coached. But if Lola, which had a bye, they got a bye because Holy Cross couldn't play. 
to the quarters to play Navy again. If they win this game, I have some Loyola Maryland 25 to 1 to win the Patriot League. If they win this game, they'll get the winner of Army or American, who they match up really well with. Army or American really can't match up with Loyola Maryland's size in Aldama. And if they win that game, they which I think they would, then you have a 25 to 1 in the final against whoever it is. And this is a this is a conference that has been crushed by COVID. Like every other week, there's teams that go on pause. So who knows who's going to be playing or who's going to be have to get canceled. That's why some of these conferences that are, have a lot of COVID risk and taking a long shot. We'll talk about the we'll talk about the CAA later, Jim and I. That's another one. So Loyola Maryland against Navy. I'm probably going back to the well. Can we get seven? And what will happen is the line will come out and it'll get hammered. And it'll go down like five points. Loyola will close like a 12-point favorite. And uh, they'll be down 20, 10 minutes in. And I'll be cringing on the couch but hey it'll it'll be uh the donation to the gambling gods itself but i'm probably going back to the well yes i'm crazy randall what do you got yeah, going back to the well i'm going back to my alma mater now look i understand no one's going to really care about boston college playing miami tomorrow however the eagles have lost their best player winston tab he's now going to east carolina next year they lost the reliable rich kelly who's now in the transfer portal they lost their head coach, Jim Kristen, and now they have the interim coach, Scott Spinelli. They head down to Miami, face the Hurricanes on senior night. They beat Miami 84-62 at home on January 12th. Since then, the Eagles have won one other game, and that was the rivalry win over Notre Dame, which, guys, trust me, weird things happen with the Fighting Irish. Going back to the 41-39 college football win after that game of the century where Notre Dame beat Charlie Ward in 94, okay? Those days were lovely, legendary after parties, trust me. However, in this case, Miami has an advantage over BC in every single possible category, and Ken Palm only has it at one, maybe it'll be two or three. Senior night for the Hurricanes, they've battled despite playing the entire year without Chris Likes, the point guard. They have Isaiah Wong, he's fantastic. Cam Augusti's a senior, he's going to want to win this. Neither team really has great metrics if you look at it, but Rich Kelly led the way in that win over Miami earlier this year with 27 points. He was 7 of 12 from three-point range. BC as a team in that game was 18 of 35. That means they shot 51% against Miami from three-point range. That magic has never happened on the Heights since the Eagles beat North Carolina as a one seed in the tournament. This is a battle between two metrically challenged teams. But BC is going the wrong way. They did not look good against Florida State. Miami's going to want payback. It's senior night. Larinaga is a better coach. Miami has better talent. Yes, that's a very nice. Very nice. And they have revenge on their mind. I'll take the Hurricanes, whatever the line is, two, three, four. I think they win by like six to eight points. All right, that's all good. Ready? Go. Yeah, I got to give Larinaga credit. This was supposed to be a big year for Miami, and they just were crushed by injuries. And maybe Likes makes an appearance. I mean, it'll, it would be just blow up Twitter if it's like Chris Likes is in. Uh, I think he's out for the year, but uh, on senior night. Uh, I don't disagree with you. And Miami's still fighting. They really impressed me at Clemson. Virginia. And at Virginia. They fought both those games. And, look, they have wins at home over Duke, Louisville, and they took Vatek to overtime. So – they they're still fighting and they're they're probably due for some positive shooting regression on both ends as well. That's kind of the calmness I need right at the end. You see how you did that? That was good. Uh, so don't hate you going against your alma mater. I always forget your alma mater is Boston College because a lot of times I, I keep thinking it's UIC. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Colin, what do you got? I get in trouble for mentioning Nolan Richardson in 1995, and this guy's bringing up Charlie Ward. So <laughs> I can't take any more shit. 
Uh, I'm going to go with a team I've bet on before. It's going to be, we're going to look at the Anteaters going up against Beach. Uh, let's get it under here. Under 142 and a half is what's currently at the book as we are uh, recording this podcast. And people would say, hey, Beach, they're 17th in tempo on the season. They like to run really fast, but they're also one of the horse shooting teams in the nation. They're dead last in their conference and turnover percentage on offensive ball security is terrible. They're almost second to last in offensive rebounds. Oh, and by the way, they're number one in the conference and getting to the free throw line, but they're the worst free throw shooting team in the conference. So Long Beach State, listen, they like to go fast, but they can't get up a whole bunch of points, and they're going up against a UC Irvine defense that is the best in their conference. There's so many, I mean, in defensive efficiency, uh, effective field goal percentage, defensive rebounding, uh, defending the paint, they're number one. They're first in blocks. So, yeah, this may go up and down. But really what you get is a beach team that can hit any free throw, likes to, you know, likes to get to the line, but can't hit any free throws. And they're going up against the best defense in the conference. I'll take the under 142 here. I mean, UC Irvine, they, it's an excellent defense. You really can't get anything at the rim. Long Beach State's been shooting over their heads from three. There's some regression there. This, I think, really comes down to if Long Beach gets blown out and are they getting garbage points, but I don't hate the look. Ants on a beach. I had a rough stint with Duke earlier in the year. I couldn't, I, I thought that they, I just couldn't figure it out. They never could cover. And then when I would bet them, they would cover. If I spend every waking moment trying to just beat you, eventually that becomes a shallow life. That can't be what motivates me. And, but I, I've really started to figure them out here. I had them against Virginia at home. I had Louisville against them. Louisville won in overtime. I had Georgia Tech against them. They won in, Georgia Tech won in overtime. So, I'm starting to get a feel for this Duke team. They got jobbed in that Georgia Tech game. And I was on Georgia Tech. By the way, Georgia Tech at Wake Forest. You want to hold your nose, buy low, sell high. Georgia Tech probably clinched a tournament spot. They find the seniors finally beat Duke. Now they're going to Wake Forest. I mean, you got to hold your nose um, tomorrow night, but that's the old, you're going to get value on Wake Forest. But I think Duke is they got job. And Matthew hurt those fouls. They called him and he fouled out and they really could have won the game. And uh Look, I think this Duke team is playing a lot better. I think that they match up fairly well with North Carolina's size. I like the fact that they have – they're just a lot better now that Mark Williams, is the seven-footer, is in the middle to defend. What I think Duke's going to do, they're going to go zone. You're going to see a ton of zone. That will work against UNC. UNC cannot shoot the ball. Uh, their only hope in shooting the ball is to just hope – and pray that Kerwin Walton gets red hot. They have no other reliable shooters. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of zone from Duke. North Carolina's probably safely in the tournament. Duke probably needs to win this game. And revenge from earlier in the season. I think that they're just better with Williams in there instead of Johnson. I think they're going to throw a lot of zone out there, which will work against UNC. You'll get a completely desperate Duke effort. I, I think I'm going to like the Blue Devils, who should be catching. Let's see. I make this. Kempot makes it two. I make it with a matchup, like a like a toss-up. So if we can get a couple points here, I like the matchup. I like the desperation, the situational spot. I might be on the Blue Devils again. You need to trust somebody. You don't know it all. Randall, what do you got? This is kind of a hold-your-nose spot, too. We've talked about Frank Martin late in the season. They are coming off that brutal pounding from Arkansas, so no one's going to be on them. It could inflate the line. They're going to get eight or nine points going to Kentucky – you know, the Gamecocks have been better on the road than at home. They covered at LSU. They beat Georgia. 
they're going to get a ton of points here. Hannibal's back. Cousinard's back. They still have Lawson, Keyshawn Bryant. And they've been playing six foot nine, 280 pound freshman Trayvon Minute more in the post. He's a big kid. He can rebound. I think he could disrupt Kentucky a little bit inside. They still are number one in defensive turnover percentage. So they do cause issues there. They looked really good against Georgia. Listen, it, at Kentucky, we don't know what they're playing for. It's senior night in Kentucky, which doesn't mean anything there, right? But Frank Martin, 10 points. You could get 10 on the road against an underachieving and going nowhere Kentucky team. To me, that seems like a good bet. I think it's a buy low spot. I think Martin will have them ready. And, you know, they've been they've been decent here on the road in these big spots. So I'll take the points here against Kentucky with South Carolina. Yeah, and if Kentucky's a big at the half, look at South Carolina second up. But Kentucky can't close games. I mean, it's, it's amazing how bad they are in the final five minutes of games. It's just stunning. Uh, they just completely fold. It's their youth. And, uh, I mean, they're in every game five minutes ago. Close up shop. Uh, Colin, final one, what you got? Well, we can't end this segment unless we have an update on your future national champion Arkansas Razorback, Woo Pig Suey, right? Woo Pig Suey. Colin's talking Razorback basketball. All right, so this Texas A&M game is obviously happening, right? Texas A&M has returned to basketball, shot 16% from three against Mississippi State, 40% from inside the paint against Mississippi State. Not one of the better defenses or, you know, teams that you would expect. And now they're going to go up and play at Bud Walton Arena against an Arkansas team that is just on fire. Uh, Ken Palm projects a 15-point win for the Razorbacks. You're looking at, I mean, forget the COVID break, forget everything. I mean, Texas A&M is the worst offense in the SEC. It's not even close. I don't even know if Buzz Williams is going to be able to keep his job. Is he coming with the team? And and Arkansas is just, they're, I mean, they are frenetic. They are a reflection of their coach. Uh, they are high octane. They are on fire right now. I would be shocked at a letdown in this spot. Well, I make this what thirteen seven. I probably have to adjust that. Like fourteen three ish. I probably have to adjust that because why? I mean, look what happened in South Carolina. Well, Texas A&M also just came back from a month plus break, so like they're gonna have lingering effects. They didn't cover against Mississippi State, although they probably should have. Mississippi State was awful. Just oh, that game was I mean, brutal. Oh, so man. gross. But my question is, Colin, maybe this has been solved. I don't know who in their right minds is going to bet Texas A&M in this game. I mean, maybe Texas A&M's due to hit some threes. Uh, they're shooting the 26% from – I mean, they're an awful shooting team, but they're shooting 26% from three in conference play. It, are your worries about Arkansas starting slow? Have they been – look, they did it against LSU. LSU was up 10 minutes into that game. They obviously came out and just – I mean, look, they were only up 2018, 10 minutes in against South Carolina. Um, Alabama, they – we were like tied at the half and they blew them out in the second half. So are you still concerned a little bit about that? Did they come out flat here and then they just extend late, but don't get outside the number? Uh, or are you seeing them come out with more fire and energy right off the bat? And that's what happened against South Carolina is that there was no actionable betting item from the Arkansas South Carolina game. They came out after the first, it's the first 10 minutes of play. So when you guys see me tweet about betting Arkansas, why bet the line pregame when they struggle in the first 10 minutes, you can get a better number, right? Case in point, Arkansas was beating South Carolina 20 to 18 after 10 minutes and then just took off like a rocket ship. Uh, that has happened in the previous, you know, five to 10 games ever since we got hot, since Justin Smith returned, uh, since Desi Sills comes back from injury and he's just hitting every three out there. He hasn't even shot a ball in a while and he's hitting everything that he puts up. Do I think that Texas A&M is going to have a lead after 10 minutes with their shooting woes and what they put up against Mississippi State? 
I'm betting no. I mean, call me squaring out or being a fish. Uh, I don't see Texas A&M having the ability. LSU is the best offense in the SEC. They don't play any defense. But, I mean, at least they can put points up. This is not LSU. This is not Alabama. This is not Florida. By the way, that's, I think, a dark horse to win the SEC championship game. Uh, but, you know, Texas A&M doesn't have the offensive firepower to take over those first 10 minutes where Arkansas sometimes is kind of asleep at the wheel before Musselman either puts on a, a UPS outfit or he's uh, plastering notes all over everybody's cars about getting defensive rebounds uh, or working his magic to get this team to respond. So that's the deal here. I would rather bet Arkansas pregame than 10 minutes in and have like a live number of 10 or 9 because there's no chill with this Arkansas team right now. Yeah, something about Arkansas is excellent for the free throw line. So they're not going to leave a lot of points on the board, which could come back to haunt you if you're laying. And also keep that in mind for the tournament. If you're laying like five, four to six to seven, a lot of times those covers are simply decided on the free throws late, right? You're up eight, you, you miss a front end, and the other team hits a three, and then you make one of two. And then, like, it's that's the, the variance of college basketball. Arkansas, really good from the line. Uh, you know, you're going to have guys like, you know, Note and Moody and uh, Tate and Sills and, and Davis with the ball in their hands late. They're all capable from the line. Um, one, one thing I do want to mention, though, this being a Budwald Arena, uh, there's role players like Vance Jackson that's a senior. Ethan Henderson is a junior. I just wonder if some of the role players, the guys that only get about 12% of the minutes, if they get to play a whole bunch in the first half, considering the competition we're going up, the game before the SEC tournament, uh, last time, you know, the, the, these guys will see Bud Walton Arena. So that is the one thing where I would keep my eyes open for, you know, pregame as to whether to bet Arkansas is to see, is my starting lineup Note, Tate, Justin Smith, Moody, Desi Sills, or, or Devo Davis? Moses Moody. Moses Moody. Little Rock Lightning. All right, before we move on to conference tournament talk, we do talk a lot on this podcast about finding an edge, putting the work in, finding opportunities, and betting them. And one easy way to lose your edge is to get absolutely hammered and start betting games. I said that on Twitter the other night. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was don't bet Sunday's card after you get hammered on Saturday. Uh, And that's why we want to tell you about our new friends at Athletic Brewing Company. So Athletic Brewing was founded by these two guys, Bill and John, who loved craft beer but realized the flavors they loved weren't available and non-alcoholic, like at all. So they started Athletic Brewing and now they've won awards. They've expanded their brewery. These guys are killing it. Athletic Brewing sent us beers to drink, and because they're non-alcoholic, they're only 50 to 70 calories a piece, and they actually taste great. So if you're looking to hammer a second half line without getting hammered yourself, these beers are a great option. So if you want to support the show, head to athleticbrewing.com, check out their selection, and place an order using code ACTION15. This gets new customers 15% off their first order, and if you order two or more six-packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy the flavor while keeping that gambling edge. When we originally got this sponsor, I said, this is going to be bad for my brand. I love to go out on weekends and enjoy myself. Wife's in the bar industry, um, always at our bar down here. And I love to drink myself, but not during the week. During the week, I am completely, I drink Fiji water. That's it. But you have nervous habits when you want to, when you, you know, when you're sweating out a game. One of the habits that I've always struggled to kill is having a cigarette when you're like sweating the end of a big bet and you're out. Some people have a drink, have a beer. This is one way you can have it, You can, but you're not actually drinking alcohol and getting hammered. So enjoy your non-alcoholic athletic brewing beer during the week. 
can enjoy your aqua if you want on the weekend or whenever. Uh, but check it out. I did have one they sent to me and it actually tasted really good. I was pleasantly surprised and gave a sign off on them as the sponsor. It was really good. So check it out. All right, let's get the conference tournament talk. All right, we have six conference tournaments to get to. Let's start in the Colonial. I gave my thoughts with Jim later in the show, so I'll throw it to you guys. Randall, what do you got? Guys, I like Northeastern. I think they've played the most consistent team all year. They had the run in the middle where they beat Elon twice, Hofstra, Charleston. I know this is going to be at James Madison. They beat James Madison with Matt Lewis at home by nine. Then they ended up playing a close game and losing as well. So they did play North Carolina, right? So they tried to get sharp there playing a tough team. Bill Cohen does a great job. You're getting great odds on them. I understand that it's going to be on the road, but they are great on the defensive boards, Northeastern. They also shoot well. They're 36% from three-point range. So if you're looking at a value here, I think Northeastern at plus 400 is the way I would go. Uh, Colin? Yeah, I mean, I'm on the other side of the bracket from Northeastern. I'm actually taking the home team with James Madison, but I am giving a little shout-out to a first-round game with Elon. Elon's won four straight. Uh, hasn't been against the best competition, too, against William Mary. Uh, UNC Wilmington is one of their victories. But realize that the winner of James Madison and Elon is going to be in the semifinals of this tournament. And so you're looking at a team, Elon is 30-1, to 1, James Madison, home team, uh, top three in offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. They're more than likely in the semifinals going to get met up with Hostra, a team that they've beaten twice already. Uh, close game, but, you know, beat him and shouldn't have a problem beating him again. So I like the pod of the James Madison Elon to move on to the finals. And those are two teams where you could throw a little bit down on Elon 30 to one and throw a much bigger unit down on a James Madison, I believe like plus 250, a team that should have no issues whatsoever getting to the finals of this conference tournament. Well, I'll save the, yeah, this is played on James Madison's home court. I'll save the, any spoilers for later when I give my picks in the Colonial, but there is some overlap there with Jim and I and what you guys said. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Southern Conference. Southern Nights. Have you ever felt a Southern Night? Uh, I, look, St. Louis, if you still want to get in on St. Louis, you can. Running on rollover parlay or their odds right now, they haven't really changed that much. St. Louis and Furman are my two horses to win their conference tournaments. That start this weekend. I'll have a piece out next week. We're going to be back on Monday with an episode to talk about the major conference tournaments and the other mid-majors that start next week. But those are my two big plays this weekend. I'm basically sticking with my guns from before the year. I said Furman, and I still think Furman is far and above the best team in the Southern. They've lost to Wofford three straight times. Last year in the conference tournament, this year twice. They led by 10 with 10 to go, and they melted. They lost on a buzzer beater at the end of the regular season to win the regular season title. They will probably beat VMI who's coming off of a COVID shutdown, who knows, and so is Sanford. Uh, Citadel hasn't played in a while either. So there's some some messy there. UNCG at the top, they're the top seed. I don't believe in them. Their offense stinks. Yes, they press. Isaiah Miller is a great defender. Their defense is excellent overall. But they're vulnerable even in that second game uh, against the winner of East Tennessee State and Chattanooga. I'm just not a buyer in this UNC Greensboro team. So it's probably going to come down to Wofford, who shoots – higher percentage of threes than anyone in the country and Furman. And I'm going with Furman. I've been waiting for this game. Uh, I, I think they're waiting for this game. They're due for some positive shooting regression. I love their offense. And if they get to the final to play UNCG, yes, they don't have the most depth. It'll be three games in three days, but they are built to handle a press. 
I mean, they can shred a press because they have so many ball handlers. That's what you need to do against UNCG. Stick with my guns. I'm going Furman plus 160. Uh, anything over plus 150. Um, I might be on an island here. Everyone says there's no value, but I'm way higher on Furman than everyone, and I'm lower on Wofford and UNCG. I'm sure you guys are going to give one of the other two, or maybe you agree with me on Furman. Randall, what do you got in the Southern? To me, I, I think there's a ton of value on Chattanooga. They're 10 to 1 plus 1,000. Guys, I, they're on the side of the bracket away from Wofford and Furman, which I agree with you, Stucky. I think that's going to be an absolute war. But I like that they get the leftovers if they can sneak through. I like UNCG on defense. I don't like them on offense. They turn the ball over too much. Chattanooga has three consecutive road wins this year at Western Carolina, East Tennessee State, who they see in round one, and Wofford. They battled UNCG and lost it overtime at Mercer. They are a tough, tough out. They don't turn it over. They're great from the free throw line, like 80% in conference, like Colorado territory, and they're 36% from three-point range. So I agree with you. I want to stay away from that side of the bracket, but I think that there's value. I think UNCG is a weak number one seed, and I think if they can get to the finals there at plus 1,000, I think there's definite value there in the mocks. Yeah, you can find 14 to 1 up there. I wrote up the Southern Conference. We'll see a preview. I, I agree with you. If you're going to take a long shot, it's Chattanooga. They, I can't figure out who's going to win that Chattanooga-East Tennessee State game. Chattanooga won both uh, during the regular season, but they won both by two. They had big leads, and East Tennessee State almost came back. But, yeah, they don't beat themselves. They're great from the line. They don't turn it over, and they don't foul. And their swing offense, they have three great shooters in, in Kenneth, uh, David Jean Baptiste and, and Malachi Smith. We're all capable. If they're hot from the outside – look out. They're not going to give any second chance looks, but yeah, they can, they don't turn it over, which is important against UNCG. So whoever wins that game, I think it's a coin flip, but you're getting better odds with Chattanooga. I think UNCG is vulnerable. Um, so yeah, give, uh, if you're going to take a long shot, I agree with you. I think it's the mocks. Uh, Colin, what do you got in SoCon? Well, you guys can call me a square, but I put down on Wofford plus 475, best effective field goal percentage in the conference. They've beaten everybody in this side of the bracket, so you and I will be head-to-head uh, with that Furman game in the summer. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, UNC, UNC Greens on the other side. I mean, even if they're able to get past Chat Chattanooga, I mean, Wofford's had no issues mopping the floor with them. Besides the overtime loss to VMI, I, I just I, there's, there's not really a blemish on here, anything that could deter me away from taking Wofford. So uh, you and I head-to-head semifinals. Here we go. Uh, all right, let's move on to the fun belt. Don't let the latest come between you and the belt. Uh, look, I, this is just a, it's a wide open, wide open conference. I, I immediately crossed off Little Rock in Louisiana. Louisiana's the two seed up top, and Little Rock's the five seed. Up. They were supposed to be really good this year. They both lost their point guards. Louisiana finds ways to win still. Little Rock is free falling. I don't believe in either of those two. The one seed's Georgia State. I think they have the easiest path up top to get to the final, but I don't see any value in them. So I'm looking at the bottom. Look, Texas State is the one seed. They won their first regular season title in program history. But this is a team that's shooting like 42% from three. I, I, they have some shooting regression coming, I think. And they play so slow. Like teams are going to be in the game. So I want to take them on. So the long shot down low, it's like, who do I want? Do I want – I don't like, like Little Rock. I, I don't think Troy's good enough. And you're going to have to win four games in four days if you're in the first round. So uh, I was going to take App State. They're healthy now. They had a COVID break. I think they're maybe starting to get their legs, but they have no depth. Um, they also might be down a starter. So to win four games in four days, that's a tough ass. So I went Troy. This is my dart. Uh, I, I don't feel that great about it. But, look, Arlington is a team that's really deep, first of all. So that's the most important thing. If you're going to win four games in four days, they have a lot of depth. And it's a different team with David Azor back and – 
Uh, he hit the game winner uh, from three that helped me hit on money line parlay the other night. They won two straight against Arkansas State to close out the year. They don't do anything great. Um, you hope that they can hit some shots from three and uh, they don't turn the ball over. Uh, I'm taking a shot on a wide open conference on UT Arlington, uh, 25 to one ish. Uh, I wouldn't go below 20 to one. Colin, what do you got in the fun belt? Yeah. I mean, I think you made a lot of reasons why you actually should take Georgia state. So let's talk about how, you know, top seed at Georgia state. If you're not familiar with the Sun Belt bracket, they still do this ridiculous bullshit where they split up uh, the two divisions and then they like, seed number one from the east versus number two against the west well what that did was that gave georgia state in the semifinals a game potentially against ull and louisiana has what seven conference losses this season uh so you know georgia state is the number one team in offensive efficiency plus 225 uh you know from travel down to pensacola pretty short route uh louisiana easiest path in the semifinals to get to the final game on the other side of the bracket texas state Number one in defensive efficiency, uh, but they're listed at three to one. I'm not sure that's enough for some of the offense that they, you know, have a problem trying to find. Uh, Panthers can't play any D, uh, but you know you're going to get about a pick or better on Georgia State on the opponent against the opponent in the finals. So I think you know taking plus two twenty five, in my opinion, you can easily put them in the finals of this conference tournament, and you're taking that carry, you're carrying that number in to a game they're probably going to be about a pick to a minus two against a Texas State or even better. Yeah, they're peaking at the right time, so don't hate it. Uh, Northeast Conference Tournament, the top four seeds make it. The top seed is Wagner. Uh, the second seed right now is Bryant. The third seed is Sacred Heart. The fourth seed is Mount St. Mary's. They all take place on the, the highest seed. So if Wagner wins, then they'll host the conference tournament. Bryant, though, had to cancel their final two regular season games to COVID for Tier 1 personnel. So they, they don't even know if they're going to be able to play this weekend. They're supposed to host Sacred Heart. If they can't, Long Island – will we'll come into the field. It's a mess. Uh, I think Brian, when healthy, is the best team. I love grass with their coach. They run a lot of different looks and zone. They have shooters all over. Um, I love Brian, but I don't know who's available or if they're going to be in this tournament. So I'm staying away from the Northeast. Uh, Colin, you have something here? Second-seeded Brian is the way to go here. They've handed top seed Wagner two losses, and the Bulldogs are the best team in the conference in free throw rate on both sides. So not only just defensively, but offensively, they're getting to the line more than anybody. I love free throw rate when it comes to brackets, uh, and they have no problems mopping up the floor with the with the overall top seed in Wagner here. So, yeah, take Bryant. Also, make sure that they are playing um, and see who's <laughs> available. So I would, I would wait on this, but I agree. I think Bryant is by far, and I hope the – they get in the tournament. They'll be an intriguing, like, 16 seed catching a ton of points. Uh, I love Grasso, the, the different looks that they throw out on defense and some of their shooters at that. They can cover a, a big number for us uh, if they get in, but they've been crushed by COVID multiple times this year. All right, Patriot League. What if the founding fathers found it too distracting to ride their horses to Independence Hall and sign the Declaration of Independence, huh? Well, you know, what about that? I've already covered Patriot League. I went with Loyola because I'm an insane person and, uh, and a masochist. But, uh, Randall, what do you got here? I, I assume you're not as crazy as me and rolling with Loyola. No, but I do think something weird's going to happen here, guys, because of this ridiculous schedule in the Patriot. I mean, Colgate is so dominant. If you look at the metrics, they are first in offensive, defensive efficiency within Patriot play. They're first in three-point percentage, effective field goal percentage, three-point percentage allowed. And – they actually finished behind Navy, who's 12-1. and one. 
I just think with this wacky scheduling, like you talked about, Colgate played Holy Cross four times this year, guys, four consecutive games. I think something's odds going to happen. If you're going to take a team, how about Army? I mean, Army's coming in here with the third best odds, plus 750. They're the only team that beat both Colgate and Navy this season. I mean, they're a team that can be up and down, but they're certainly going to play maybe Navy in the semifinals on March 10th. So if you're looking for a long shot with value, I don't see uh, the value in two of the top teams there. The odds aren't great. And honestly, if something wacky is going to happen, I can see it happening when teams have not played each other and then they get in a tournament setting. So if you're looking for value, I'll go with the third team there on the odd board with Army at plus 750. The, this, the net ratings, they're good when you get a full sample size of games, are insane this year. Colgate is number nine in the net, people. Here's who Colgate has played. Army. They split with to start the year. Boston University in a mass game. I think they still have to wear masks at Boston. Holy Cross four times. Like, holy shit. Four times in a row, Holy Cross. One of them, they went to overtime. Army twice again. And then Boston. That's their schedule. They're 11-1 against a schedule that's a strength of schedule that's outside the top 300. And they're number nine in the net. Ridiculous. But uh, I, I don't disagree. The, the Patriots have been wa- wacky all year. There'll probably be games canceled. Take a shot. Uh, I'm doing it with Loyola. All right, last one we got here is the Summit League. Listen, baby. Ain't no mountain high. Ain't no valley low. Ain't no river wide enough, baby. I can honestly tell you, uh, and I have my write-ups out there, my write-up for all the conference forums that start this week. I'll have another one next week. I have absolutely no idea who is going to win the summit league. I can tell you that's why I'll be avoiding it. I don't, I don't have a great feel on this conference. I thought coming into the year and early on in the year, South Dakota state was clearly the best team. They lost one of their best players, South Dakota last week. They lost one of their best players in Plitzwit. I mean, so I think it's going to be, you would assume it's probably going to be one of the Dakota schools. I don't have a strong feel. And if it's South Dakota state, South Dakota, or North Dakota state, Maybe it's UMKC and their defense or Oral Roberts was two phenomenal scores. I mean, it's two players or their entire team, but I have no feel. Help us out, Randall. I mean, guys, you talked about it with the injuries there in the Summit League. So I'm looking to Oral Roberts. Guys, are we aware what Max Abmus is doing as the sophomore for Oral Roberts? His last five games, 42, 30, 36, 41, and 25 points. Him and Kevin Obanor have been tremendous for an Oral Roberts team that has actually been super competitive in the games that they've played against the top teams. They lost a true road game at South Dakota just by two. They split with South Dakota State, including hanging 100 on them at home. And they've beaten these teams and competed. North Dakota, they won by 17 at home. So they have two guys who are scoring at will. They don't turn the ball over, over almost 82% from the free throw line. And as a team, guys, 41% from beyond the arc. With a pair of scores like that in a, in a summit league that should be wide open, I would love to grab Oral Roberts and the Golden Eagles there, have them at plus 375 right now. Yeah, I don't hate it, um, especially if you can get them 4-1. to one. Five to one, find that out there. I mean, also they're great from the line. They chuck a lot of threes, so they're a very high variance team. They play fast, so they're going to start with North Dakota, and who they should be, and then they'll get the winner of South Dakota State, Omaha. That'll be South Dakota State. South Dakota State lost one of their best players. Ah, that, that should just be a shootout. That could go either way. Um, then you're in the final against 
South Dakota or North Dakota State. Like you said, they have wins over both of those teams this year. And yeah, you're, I mean, Oral Roberts is fun to watch. I hope they get to the finals so people can, or maybe the semifinals are on TV. They're right in your backyard, Colin. Oh, they're, uh, the praying hands are just a mile down the street. <laughs> are people excited about Oral basketball right now or not really? Listen, if you've ever hung out on Yale and 81st, there's nobody that's excited around there. Everybody's trying to leave that corner. Well, they should be excited about the team. Adams is, yeah, my guy Max at Oral is the leading, he leads the nation in scoring. People need to see Oral Roberts. He's averaging 24.7 points per game. That's ahead of Garza at 24-3, Antoine Davis at 24, Cameron Thomas at 22-8, and Terry Taylor at, at App State at 21-7. I read all, you might have just convinced me to throw some boy. Oral Roberts. Let's go. I'll make sure and drive around the campus and not, you know, not put in a melt, uh, automatic melt by driving through the campus tonight. I'll, I'll go around it so I don't hurt your guys' futures. I demand a picture. I'll give it to you in 20 minutes, Randall. It's <laughs> we need the praying hands. All right, it's time uh, to catch up with a couple guests who I caught up with earlier. So let's talk with our friend, two of our friends from the pod who've been on this year, Jim Root from Three Man Weave and... P.D. Buckets about the A-10. All right. We are now joined by a friend of the podcast, a member of Three Man Weave, uh, a guy that was on the same page as me a lot throughout the season. We don't have enough games to do the six-pack. We are going to keep bringing on Three Man Weave throughout the rest of the year. This week, we're bringing on Jim Root. What's going on, Jim? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm the sharpest mind of the weave if I'm on the same page as you, right? That's why I got picked first. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, great minds think alike. That's what I like to think. And uh, I'm glad that you got Kennesaw State to the window. I almost jinxed you. You did say it was a tail two. Yes, I think they got down by like 19 earlier. Yeah, they, they always make it dicey. Yeah, that's why we call them Kenny Seesaw, because they're always back and forth. Well, I'm glad the Owls got home for you. I just wanted to catch up on a couple things. We'll start and talk national title picture. Do you have any hot takes? Are there any futures that you know, kind of someone should maybe look into right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of on board the like Gonzaga Baylor are, are separating themselves or, or on a tier of their own, but before conference tournaments start, you know, I think trying to find teams that could win their tournament and, and have their value go down is appealing. And so I picked out three, Oregon, Florida state and Arkansas, I think are the, the three best team or they're the best teams in their respective leagues right now. And so if you want to hit those, I think getting those in before the tournament makes sense. I mean, Oregon, obviously, I think is kind of a darling for a lot of people because it's Altman, it's March, they're healthy. Um, and then just Florida State and Arkansas are, 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 I think, the best teams in the ACC and SEC, respectively. Arkansas playing much better than Alabama is right now. How, how do you feel about those? Am I, am I crazy? No, not at all. Arkansas went healthy this year, especially with Justin Smith in the lineup, has been excellent. And they're trending in the right direction. Oregon... At BetMGM right now, we were going through the futures that we've added throughout the year in the podcast. All of their odds are a lot worse now. And we talked earlier in the show about Oregon. They're still at 50-1 to 1 at BetMGM. I think there's value there. And a Dana Altman team, the way that they switch defenses, they'll press. It's a, he's always going to be tough to prepare for in a tournament setting. You know, you have a guy like Duarte, and they're getting healthy at the right time. They're certainly an intriguing team, I think. Let's go down a level to conference tournaments. We have a bunch starting this weekend and then a bunch starting next week. Any futures value or team that catches your eye in that aspect? I want to I want to kick around the Colonial with you because this, this is a conference that is about as wide open as any, I, I think, in the entire country right now with 
all the COVID pauses that have happened in February, the host and number one seed, James Madison, just lost their best player for the year. No Matt Lewis. So I, I think you could really talk yourself into any team here, but there's two that I picked out that I like the most. I think Northeastern, I saw four to one plus 400. They're the two seed. Uh, I just think right now without Lewis, they have the best player, Tyson Walker, and then the best coach, Bill Cohen. And then the long shot I like is Elon, 30 to one. Uh, they've won four in a row, young team. They're the only team in the league that played a full February schedule. So they're actually coming in uninterrupted at this point. So 30 to one, I thought that was worth a stab. Is there anything you're seeing in, in CAA? I just think it's so open, this league. Yeah, I mean, almost every single team is coming off of a pause or in pause right now. UNC Wilmington came back last weekend. They were on you know month-long pause. They don't have their leading score. They only had seven men available. The way that they play, I mean, it's going to be tough to run the table there. James Madison lost their best player. Everyone else is in a COVID break. The only the exceptions to the rule are Elon, who did have a COVID break earlier in the season, but they've started to find their footing. It's a really complex offense that I think requires rhythm and timing, and I think they found that. So I agree with you. I took a shot. I think it's a perfect conference tournament to take a shot on. It's being played at JMU, lost their best player. Uh, and then I actually took some Drexel just because I'm stubborn. They were my pick to win it before the season. That looked dumb throughout the year, but – you know, they picked up a win at JMU. They were on a break, but not because of their own team. So they were still practicing while their opponents went on COVID break. So they won at JMU to get that final bye. And they're in the bottom half of the bracket with all the teams that have dealt with COVID lately. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. Take a shot in this conference with a team like Elon. I took a piece of Drexel because I'm stubborn. But And look, the thing with Elon, or if you take a shot, who knows which of these teams are going to be even going to be able to play. Some of these teams might have to cancel their games, and then all of a sudden, you know, Elon advances two stages, and you have a 30-to-1 shot in, in the championship. So it, it should be a wild one in the CAA. Yeah, Drexel, I think, is an interesting point, too, because they, like you said, they just won at JMU without Matt Lewis, so they, they played in this gym very recently. And they're actually the highest-rated team on Ken Palm, it, you know, for people that are into that. Um, they're the sixth seed in the tournament, but they're the highest rated team. So they, they play a team Charleston that's off shutdown that also lost their best player to an injury earlier in the season. So I, I think that's a worthy, a worthy gamble as well. Yeah. Hopefully Cam winner can come through. And then lastly, any spots that you have, I know you can't go back to the well of Kennesaw state, unfortunately, but any spots you have circled either tomorrow or this weekend that uh, listeners should keep their eye on. Yeah, I, I pulled a few on Saturday that I thought were pretty solid spots. Curious to hear what you think. Uh, I'll start with really, you know, one of the biggest games of the weekend, maybe the biggest. I think Ohio State coming off three losses. Now they're at home against Illinois, who may or may not have Desumu, but they have played amazing without him and have won, basically played a perfect game against Michigan. Now I think it kind of sets up for a little buy low, sell high for the Buckeyes. Uh, Liddell can give Kofi Coburn problems, move him around on the court a little bit, pull him out of the lane. That opens things up for drives and, and get the, the Illinois defense rotating. So I, what, what do you think about that one? Am I, am I fishing with Ohio State? No, I, I agree. I, I've been, I'm wearing an Illinois shirt right now. I've, Illinois is my biggest future before the year. I've, I've been preaching Illinois all year. I've had them as the, the fourth best. I had them as third best team before the season. I had them fourth now and then I have them after that game of the night I have them like right on the tails of Michigan and I put out my power ratings and I have people on Twitter saying how is Illinois behind Michigan did you just watch that game 
like, you know, complete recency bias. People forget that, hey, Ohio State wanted Illinois. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's a perfect buy low, sell high spot. Uh, everyone is in love with Illinois. I'm still in love with them. But, yeah, you're probably going to – this is the probably the time to sell them and uh, whether or not Jusumu comes back or not. And they haven't missed a beat with, without him, which is just stunning. Yeah, Curbelo's look great. I mean, that's probably great for their long-term chances to, yep, to get, him, get him comfortable and confident. Uh, one other power conference spot I, I thought would, would be solid. Utah is going to be hosting Arizona State on Saturday. It'll be the second leg of Arizona State at altitude. They're already shorthanded. They, they've kind of just had a, a poor season, might be looking forward to the Pac-12 tournament to where they could actually rally and, and salvage what has been a disappointing year. Utah will have an extra day at rest. So I, I thought Utah there could be, you know, as a short favorite, maybe something like minus four or something. The Utes could be a solid play. Yeah, I do like that. Like I, I've been way too high on Arizona. I'm still, I think, too high on Arizona State. But they're a team that, depending on their odds, they might be intriguing for the Pac-12 tournament. Um, a team with a lot of talent, depending on how healthy they are. But, you know, one of the, they could put it all together. One, hey, let's try and salvage our season. So I completely agree with you and, does this game mean anything to them? No, absolutely not going to Utah. I just have been too high on Arizona State, so I know my numbers won't like it, but uh, I don't disagree with you on the spot. Okay, I got I got one more spot for you, and I'm going way off the, the, the beaten path here for it. Out in the Southland, Houston Baptist is still battling to be the, the 10 seed because they, they expanded the Southland tournament. The, the top 10 teams make it now from eight, so Houston Baptist is still alive. They're playing Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who seems to have just totally given up on their season in all facets. I mean, they've been blown out multiple times recently. So now playing Houston Baptist as something to play for. Uh, it's, you know, a, a weird game to be eyeing up, but I, I just like the spot for Houston Baptist. Yeah, I don't hate it. It's a good spot. I don't have to, I haven't dug into that one specifically. I will tell you in the Southland, I do think, well, this is happening right now, but I think that McNeese State, remains undervalued i think that they're due for some shooting regression and on the flip side Nichols state i think and they play each other tonight is a little overvalued i mean if you look at their road games this year they've escaped the bottom feeders in overtime by one by two so i think mcneese state um and i think they've covered three straight so i think i might be a little three or four straight i might be late to the bus but Nichols state's a team that i'm looking to uh fade from here on out but yeah, uh, don't hate that spot. I'll dig into it some more and uh, appreciate your time, Jim. And look, I didn't disagree with you almost at all. Great. That's mind. good. That's good. Uh, yeah. Good luck this weekend. Let's get some winners. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. We got a big march ahead of us. All right. So it's time to bring in, you know him on Twitter at PD Buckets, my favorite, a 10 follow to talk some Atlantic 10 tournament. And I know the betters are, especially intrigued by the A-10. It's the 11 a.m. start times that everyone wants to bet, um, which we will get tomorrow with Duquesne and Bonnie's. We also will have St. Louis and UMass. The battle of our alma mater is going on right now. And as of right now, Mason just hit a three and a three-point game. So that's still to be determined. What's going on, Petey? Thanks for joining us. Hey, what's up, Stucky? Yeah, Davidson gets the winner of this uh, absolutely atrocious basketball game. What's going on right now? Well, it's so. not as ugly as Fordham GW, which I've never seen more air balls in a game. But, yeah, it's pretty ugly. But let's let's dive right in. I, the biggest takeaway from today, sadly, we had to say goodbye to Ryan Daly. I don't know what's going on with all the seniors, like who's coming back, who's not. But yeah, I hope we see him again. But if not, uh, it was a great late-season run that St. Joe's had. 
Yeah, Daly's a guy that's uh, definitely gone, I think. Hearing some rumors that some some guys who might surprise you are uh, probably going to come back in the A-10. Um, Daly's not one of them. I'm, I'm almost certain he's out. He was, he was a joy to watch, and uh, we sad to see him go, but at least we got uh, another game for him after they did, win, they did beat LaSalle. But let's move on to teams that are still eligible. Duquesne had a win as an underdog. We were both on them, I know, today mm-hmm. over a really short-handed Richmond team. And I really feel bad for Richmond because I think that they were almost at a normal season, probably a lock for the NCAA tournament if they were fully healthy from the get-go. But they weren't. You know, Sherrod went down with an ACL injury. They were short-handed today. Richmond goes down. Duquesne moves on. Duquesne's also dealt with some roster turmoil this year. Uh, but they will face Bonnie's tomorrow. they have any shot? Uh, you know, I think, um, I, I think they can give the Bonnies a game. I think they, uh, they lost their first matchup by four points. So definitely, uh, very close for them. Um, they have, uh, you, you know, they've got a really good front court. Um, yeah. Duquesne, I, I think it's one of the things like you don't, you don't think much of their talent that they put on the floor when you see that, like they finished ninth in the A-10 for instance, you know, um, but Marcus Weathers and Michael Hughes are really legit. Um, I think that uh, it, one one thing that is uh, one thing that hurts the Bonnies is that they're so thin. They play almost no bench. They're one of the fewest bench minutes teams in the country. Um, they might actually be dead last. Um, I would have to check on that, but they're like super close to the bottom. So if uh, Osun Asuni gets two fouls in the first half, which like he's he's very good at not fouling, but sometimes that will happen to him. That's sort of the you know the anvil that's always hanging over Bonaventure's head is that if they get foul trouble, then they have to give their bench some extended run. Uh, which is which is not good for him. And Duquesne's the kind of team that can definitely take advantage there. Yep, I agree. And Okani's coming on. Um, Don Martin has done, has done a good job having to – I mean, Sincere Carey was a great point guard. He is no longer with the program. And uh, Don Martin, who was just known as just like a microwave guy who would who could just <laughs> get red hot out of nowhere and hit like five threes. He's had a transition to – he still is capable of doing that. And that's – if he does that, Duquesne's going to have a good shot. Yeah, he hit a uh, he hit a contested step back three with like twenty three seconds left in the shot clock with Duquesne down eight in the second half at one point and like that's that's the Tavian Dunmartin experience that's who he is, but he uh, he's one of those guys who I think there was some addition by subtraction because Carey was not good earlier in the year he's a great player but it's just a matter of fact that you know the first four or five games of the season he did play for Duquesne his, his numbers were pretty bad so Duquesne when Carey left Duquesne moved uh, Tavian Dunmartin over into the um, point guard role. He's their main facilitator now. And he sort of like his shot selection just got so much better. Uh, One of the things that happened when he was playing off ball is he just had a green light to take all sorts of, you know, bad contested jumpers that are really fun when they go in, but overall they're not, not really great shots to take. Um, But his decision-making has been a whole lot better. So I thought, I thought the Dukes were a little undervalued coming into the tournament. Like you said, we were both on them because like we liked the Dukes and we knew that Richmond was so banged up. Um, that said, I think the Bonnies, Bonnies are pretty significantly better. Um, but you know, Dukes are certainly, uh, certainly capable of giving them a game here. Yeah. And Dunn Martin, who, you know, I mean, he's like a quick career, but like 35% three point shooter. He mm-hmm. went through like a five of 28 stretch up until two games ago. In the last two games, he's six of 11 from three. He's 31% on the year. So he's like the, reg- the positive aggression. He could have another game where he's like five of seven from three at one point, and that would be scary for Bonnies. But I agree with you on the depth for Bonnies. I think that out of all of the teams in the A-10, they benefited the most from this crazy 
schedule that they have where they're going to play the quarterfinals and semifinals this weekend and then the championship a week later. Like Bonnie's having to win three games in three days. Um, yep. It might have been tough for them with a bench that's yeah, the 347th in bench minutes. Um, yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. Gun to your head, if the line is eight, <laughs> who you who you taking? Oh, if the line is eight. If the line is eight, I think I'm going to take Duquesne. Um, yeah, I, would, I, would, I would tend to agree with you. Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of points. Duquesne's a good team. That's a lot of points. The other game, the, if the winner of that game will face the winner of St. Louis, UMass. And UMass had a COVID break. They did not look good their first two games coming out of that COVID break. They got blown out by St. Louis in one of them. Can't really take too much from either of those games. And you wanted, I was curious to see what we would get today. And holy shit, they <laughs> come out on fire. They couldn't miss from three. Uh, they finished 15 of 38 from three. They shot 73% from two. They scored 1.35 points per possession. They put up 100 spot, went by 34 over St. Joe's. They looked great. And the scary thing is a St. Louis lover that hopes they get to the tournament, bet on them to win the A-10 tournament. Uh, that's scary because they, they played in the same gym. They were that hot. They're going to play again tomorrow. And last year, we both talked about this on Twitter, they lost – on the road in overtime at St. Louis and mm-hmm. they won at home against St. Louis. Now, the one thing that does give me confidence about St. Louis is they have their own COVID issues and they just really could never get their offensive footing back that we saw earlier in the year. We're starting to see those signs again uh, over the course of a five game winning streak to close out the year. Are you kind of scared for St. Louis here? It feels scary a little bit. It uh, it does because I think you know um, I do, I do think that like the coaches are the same the lineups like UMass had a little bit of roster turnover but but not too much and you know Trey, Trey Mitchell's still the most important guy so I do feel like those two games last year are kind of instructive um, because so much is the same uh, year over year and St Louis had legitimate problems with them but like you said you know you don't know how much to take from the Richmond game and the St Louis game because UMass was coming off the COVID break but I also don't know how much you take from the St Joe's game because St Joe's was playing their third game in four days, which is just always brutal. And they had one of the worst defenses in the country coming into the game. But one thing, I think it is a little scary. One thing that's interesting is that UMass, if you liked UMass today, I think a lot of it either had to do with the three games in four days or the fact that UMass kind of kills teams that turn the ball over a lot. Uh, it's one of the, you know, it's one of the sort of like bellwethers of whether U- UMass has a good matchup is like, does the opponent turn the ball over a lot? Cause they're so good at forcing turnovers and they're like pushing pace off of that. Uh, St. Joe's only had 12 turnovers today and they still got absolutely annihilated. Uh, UMass only has uh, eight steals, uh, which is like well below their average. So they, uh, you know, they, they beat St. Joe's in a pretty straight up half court game. Um, or I don't mean half court game, but it wasn't, it wasn't like they were just picking pockets and running wild. You know, the way that the game played out was, uh, you know, I think was pretty instructive for them. They also, you know, 15 of 38 from three, 25 of 34 from two. But ultimately, I mean, UMass is vulnerable at the rim. And part of me says they can't shoot like they did today. But then again, it's like the same gym. They're playing the next mm-hmm. day. It's like a, a lot of times you see teams can carry over that momentum. It's not like they were shot – 70% from three, and then the next the next game is three days later in a different gym. Uh, I'm scared for St. Louis. I do think they're going to pull it yeah. out, but I don't think it's going to be easy. So one thing, you said they're vulnerable at the rim. U, uh, UMass is vulnerable at the rim. 
UMass allows one of the highest percentages of shots at the rim in the country. Um, looking at my numbers here that I get from Hoop Math, it looks like 347th in the country in terms of shots that they allow at the rim. Uh, that's just death against a team like St. Louis that plays the way that they do. So I think from a you know from a matchup perspective, if St. Louis can contain Trey Mitchell and the UMass shooters cool off, which it feels like they have to, you know, I, I think maybe UMass is the kind of team that looked a little bit too good today. Um, against a really crappy opponent that was totally gassed. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm sort of talking myself into not being as scared for St. Louis right now. Yeah. And they also are still coming back from COVID. And it's like, it's a back to back. Maybe their legs aren't fully there yet. Uh, but moving down to the bottom half of the bracket, VCU, Dayton, really intriguing game. Um, Dayton. They finally like beat a team they were supposed to beat. They, I mean, all year they just beat the teams that they are as underdogs, and they lose to like Fordham. Um, mm-hmm. VCU has injury question marks with Bones Highland, potential first round draft pick, their point guard, and, and Vince Williams. Also, is this game just too hard to predict because of the Jekyll Hyde nature of Dayton and the VCU injuries? Do you have any feel here? Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, uh, Bones Highland is the one who keeps VCU's offense viable. Um, they are not like uh, uh, Bones averages 19 points a game. Nobody else averages more than 11. Um, they've only got two guys in double figures. And Vince Williams uh, averages 11 points. He's the other guy who's like the big injury question mark. Uh, you know, it's VCU's offense is ugly when those guys can't play. You know, when they had that loss to Davidson, Davidson kind of made them look like they should look when they don't have bones because, you know, if you just sort of play them straight up, which uh, Dayton can certainly do, they just have really, they don't have many true bucket getters. Ace is a great facilitator, but in terms of guys who can create, guys who can take their own shots, really is just sort of lacking in that department when bones isn't on the floor. So I would be monitoring, if you're going to bet this one, I'd be monitoring the, uh, the pregame pretty closely. I've heard, I, I think it's official that Bones and Vince are going to play. Um, uh, or I think it's like, it's, it looks like it's trending that way. I would be surprised if they're not on the court. But if anything breaks about these guys, like not being 100% or still battling injuries, you know, that's, that's pretty huge. I think a, a, a fully healthy VCU beat Dayton pretty handily twice earlier this season. However, they don't look fully healthy. And I think that Bones is so important that, um, like you said, he's a first round draft pick, but he's also the only guy on that team who like really can, can score and can get his own shot. Uh, you know, I, I think things are dicey for VCU. If he's not fully healthy, they could, they could very easily drop this one. Yep. I completely agree with you. All right. Three questions, three final questions before I let you go. George Mason's up seven now, uh, mm-hmm. assuming they win, you can cover this. If you think it, do they have any shot against Davidson? If not, you can ignore that question. And then is the a 10 a one bid league and who's going to win the tournament? Yeah, I think the eight cents two bids right now because I think VCU they've got the injury question marks, and I think Bonaventure is also pretty close to the bubble. I think if VCU or Bonaventure doesn't win the tournament, that's their only shot at being a three bid league. I feel like two is the is the the likeliest number by far. Um, in terms of Mason Davidson tomorrow, uh, you know I hate hate to say it, but I I wouldn't give my boys from Mason much of a shot. Uh, Bob McKillop is much too good at, at game planning and uh, Mason's offense just looks really, really bad um, when you're able to defend them a certain way. And if you take away the post and you make Jason uh, Mason hit jumpers, they really, really tend to struggle. Um, this is not a good, not a good shot making team, which you kind of have to be the way that Davidson plays defense. So um, unfortunately I feel like the road ends for Mason tomorrow um, against Davidson. And uh, prediction who wins the attend tournament. I'm going to go with Bonaventure the Bonnies, I think their starting lineup is like top 15 good, like their first five guys. They're so good. 
and the big question mark is just what that bench looks like, but they just have such a big, it's so good for them that the A-10 tournament isn't three games in three days anymore. Um, it's two games in two days, and then they get a week off to rest up. So I like what, I like the way it breaks for the Bonnies. Who's going to get in foul trouble first, French or Osun? <laughs> That's what it could come down to. Um, yep. So, all right, P- at PD Buckets on Twitter, follow them for all of your 11 a.m. A-10 action <laughs> and all A-10 action all weekend and then throughout the tournament for all college basketball stuff. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, anything you want to plug? Thanks, man. I'm just plugging the Hey 10 podcast, uh, hashtag Hey 10. Um, me and uh, my buddy Chris Pyle uh, previewed the A-10 tournament, and uh, we should be recording another episode tonight. So check it out. Sounds good. And uh, go enjoy what looks like a, a victory uh, for your alma mater over mine. And uh, I'll catch you on Twitter all weekend. Thanks again. Bob. Awesome. Appreciate it, Stucky. All right. Thanks to both Petey and Jim for joining us. Thanks, as always, to Colin and Mike. We will be back early next week. We usually just have one episode a week. Comes out on Fridays. We will have that episode next week. We will have a Selection Sunday episode. We will have tournament preview episodes as well. But we're going to do an additional episode early next week to go over the conference tournaments that start next week. That includes all of your major conference tournaments uh, and a few others. So we will just go through them. Maybe we'll touch on a couple games that start the next day, recap the weekend, yell about a couple things. We'll have some fun. Uh, so, Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Subscribe, unsubscribe, leave a review. We did a bunch of giveaways last week. We'll do a bunch more next week. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. just takes two minutes to do. Appreciate all of you listening. Let's have a march. Uh, Also, you can follow us on the Action Network app, all of our plays on there. Uh, Make sure you download that and all of our content on actionnetwork.com. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. Get that March popcorn. We're finished talking.